Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety, take their power back, and learn how to create a truly beautiful life. Each week, I'm speaking with amazing individuals who are experts in the field of entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, sex, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a mom, a blogger, and a certified health coach. I'm obsessed with personal growth and change, and I've helped women all around the world regain alignment with what they truly value in life and remove the blocks preventing them from living their life to the fullest. If you're ready to stop living a half-life and move fully into your power, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Guys, I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I'm speaking with Caleb Campbell. He is an ex-NFL player. He was a West Point grad. Um, He is just a really amazing human being, first and foremost. And he has spent years doing the internal work it takes to get to a point of enlightenment and just a place of knowing yourself and knowing what makes you happy and what being yourself to others and speaking your truth is all about. So he shares his core tenets of living a truly vulnerable yet strong life and what that means. And, you know, this is someone coming from a very masculine background. He's a very masculine person. So it's really interesting to hear him talk about being vulnerable and being open with others and not hiding and not living a life of shame and, um, just really a life where you're not really being yourself. And when you're living that way, you're not happy. And so I'm just so amazed by his story. And I'm just really appreciative for him to come forward and and to give this perspective because I think it's really going to help a lot of men and women out with stepping into who they really are and really sharing their true selves with the world. And it's the scariest thing to do, but you'll find the more that you do it, the easier it gets. And the happier you are, you know? So I hope you really enjoy this episode. He's amazing. Uh, enjoy our conversation. I hope you love it. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code unstressed, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4sundayscaries.com. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well, then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, They also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the show. I am so excited for today's guest. His name is Caleb Campbell and he is a, an amazing person, an ex NFL player, um, West Point grad, just accomplished in so many ways. So I'm so glad that he's here to share his wisdom and life experience with us. So welcome to the show, Caleb. Thank you for having me. 
So just to get us started, um, why don't you give us some context? Tell me about the events in your past that led you to where you are today as a speaker and writer, entrepreneur, all of those things. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Texas, and so football was everything. And I learned at a young age that I was pretty good at the game. And so I naturally was kind of told that that's what I should be doing. And so, and I'm not mad about that, right? Because it landed me at West Point in division one football scholarship at West Point, United States military Academy, um, you know, arguably the number one leadership school in the world. So I got an amazing education, amazing experience. And then from football, my sophomore year at West Point, you basically have to take an oath, right? Where you are in for the long run. And uh, essentially like once you graduate, you have a five-year army commitment as an officer in the U S army. Well, my sophomore year, I think I was like the number six strong safety in the country. So that's a, a football position in the country. And so a lot of NFL scouts started coming around. A lot of NFL agents started talking to me. And then there was this kind of this national dialogue that had happened with, hey, what's going to happen if Caleb Campbell from West Point gets drafted? Because nobody knew because it really hasn't happened yet. And so that's when the military, the Pentagon basically created a new policy called the alternative service obligation policy. And that was going to allow me to play football and serve simultaneously. Um, Long story short, I graduated from West Point. I ended up getting drafted in the 2008 NFL draft. I get to play in the NFL. Um, Then kind of a, a complete switch happened where the policy that was allowing me to play in the NFL got rescinded. Um, it basically was ripped up. So I couldn't play in the NFL. I had to go back to active duty. So I went back to active duty. I served for three years. In those three years, I bobsledded for the USA Olympic team um, and then just did what was required of me in the military. And then after three years, they gave me an early release to go back into the NFL. And when I went to the NFL, I knew something was wrong with me. Um, you know, at, up until this point, I was dealing with tons of fear. I was dealing with tons of anger, rage issues, um, power issues. I needed to be dominating every situation. I was afraid to look weak. I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid of uncertainty. So control and manipulation and lying was all that I did. And so I, I knew something internally was wrong because that was like the life behind that was behind everything that, you know, the mask essentially, um, And so I couldn't exist within myself. So I constantly felt rejected. I constantly felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I constantly felt like the square peg trying to fit in a round hole no matter what. And really the only place that I ever found acceptance and where I belonged was on the football field. So when I got to the NFL, though, suddenly something switched. Um, Suddenly I realized that where I found belonging and where I found acceptance in life, um, it was threatened. Because the NFL was essentially the first place that I experienced um, everybody was good and suddenly I might not make it. And I was so terribly afraid of not making it that I ended up, you know, long story short, sabotaging my career. Um, I did everything I could to really get cut. You know, I didn't have the courage to quit, but I didn't want to play anymore because I didn't want to feel like you know, the one way I found love and affirmation and acceptance, you know, I couldn't cut it. I wasn't good enough. And so I left the NFL. I ended up getting cut after, you know, bouncing around a few teams for three years. And when I got out, I knew something needed to change in my life. Uh, It was, it was so hard for me to, even at the moment, 
explain what was happening internally. I just knew that I could not continue to live life the way that I was living life. When you go to West Point, you know, you have phenomenal job opportunities, like amazing job opportunities and all these CEOs and West Point grads that are now, you know, presidents, vice presidents of, you know, some corporate 500 companies in America, they all knew me because of my story. So they were like reaching out, Hey, we got a job. Hey, fly me to San Diego, fly me to Texas, fly me to Florida and offered me these amazing jobs. And I simply was sitting one day alone and I started sobbing and I just had this breakdown. And I knew that even though I was going to change jobs, like the pain that I experienced, the rejection that I experienced, the overwhelming sensation of anxiety and depression that I experienced in the NFL, it was going to follow me no matter where I went. And that's why I knew I needed to stop everything for a season of life and really go discover really at the root what was happening in my life. And that's when I moved to Fort Erie, Canada. Long story, I found a church on, I found a church on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I literally found a church on Twitter and I had moved, I visited twice. And that's when I realized I knew that's where I was supposed to be. So I went from the NFL to sleeping on the floor in the boiler room in the basement of a pastor's home for almost three and a half years so that I could go through this inner healing transformational journey of really discovering who Caleb Campbell is for the first time. And that's where I dealt with a lot of emotional trauma, a lot of childhood trauma, complete shift in paradigm, complete shift in mindset. And it just revolutionized my life. But when I was going through that process, I wrote down, for the first time, what I was feeling, like just the emotions. And I just wrote for the sake of writing. And I remember feeling so alive after writing. And that's when I realized that writing was going to play a pivotal role in my life, just as kind of a, uh, a tool, a resource to help me. But when I started to put my work out there, you know, I haven't done much, but when I have started putting my work out there, you know, people really resonated with it and they connected with it. And so since that moment, um, it's kind of been what I've gravitated towards and speaking as well. That's amazing. I mean, I think it takes so much courage to, to stop essentially your life in that way and do the inner work. I mean, so many people plow through and they're just miserable. They know something's not right, but they don't have the courage to actually stop and say, okay, I'm going to deal with this before I move forward with my life. You know, I need to fix this turmoil that's going on. And I feel like everyone is dealing with that in some way. Like we all go through things in our childhood. We all go through trauma. And it's that, like that miracle moment that you were just talking about of taking that moment and, and using it for good and, and putting our lives in a direction where change happens. So I definitely want to dig in to all of that with you because I feel like that's so out of the norm. I mean, what you're, you're already an outlier just because of your, you know, your military history, you're in the NFL, which is like what, like 1% of people make it into the NFL or whatever it is. Um, and so then you just take it to this next level. I'm so impressed with you. Um, so you know, for everyone listening, it's not just women and moms listening. Like it's a lot of men too. Um, what would be your advice for them to start moving towards that positive shift, that positive change to get out of their heads in that negative self-talk or just that feeling of like helplessness and anxiety? What's the first thing that they can do today to start making that shift? Yeah, I think, um, you know, beyond just recognizing that the shift needs to happen, I think the first step is to start thinking about what you're thinking about. 
Um, I think that was a huge moment in my life at the beginning of all of this that, you know, I lived a very reactionary life, right? I had this emotional um, reaction that I felt in my body and that I just reacted to it. No matter, I was angry and I reacted. I was sad and I reacted. I was depressed and I reacted. But I never actually took the time to stop and ask, like, you know, and begin to think about what I'm thinking about. Like, what are the thoughts that are actually traveling through my mind, traveling through that space? Like, what are those thoughts? And why am I thinking those thoughts? Where do those thoughts actually come from? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you actually break down, you know, the way that I was taught and the way that I experienced my transformational journey is that, you know, the thoughts are the byproduct of a belief system. And what you believe in life shapes your present day reality. Like what you believe in life, it creates your state of being in your thoughts, right? And that creates your personal reality. So if I'm not liking my personal reality, I need to go ask why, what are the belief systems that are creating this personal reality? And that's really getting to the root of the issue. But the first initial thing is start thinking about why and what you're thinking about. I think that's so smart because I think when we start getting curious about what we're thinking and we kind of like take an outsider's perception of it, like it's easier to deal with it. Like it's never going to be easy. It's always going to be uncomfortable. But if we kind of remove ourselves and just be an observer, it's like, okay, now I can actually work with this. Right. That's called in the science world, right? Metacognition, right? Uh Uh, It's the idea of like, Put it this way, football analogy for any guys that are listening, right? Like sometimes I'm standing in front of a six foot six offensive guard and he's the only thing that I can see. And I'm in a a fist fight with him. Like I am doing everything I can to do my job, my role in this play, right? And all I can see is a six foot six man as a giant in front of me. But when we go back and watch film, suddenly I have a bird's eye view. I see everything unfolding. I see what other positions and other players are doing to complete the play, right? And suddenly I have a different perspective. And now I can see why it was important for me to do the job that I was called to do. But it gives you a new perspective. So metacognition is going from only seeing this giant that you're facing in life, whether it's the anger, whether it's the rage, whether it's depression, whatever it might be, and looking from a bird's eye view. And now I can see objectively I can have a greater perspective, a greater understanding of everything that's kind of unfolding in my life. I love that. And I think that so many people like we hear, you know, they might have been listening beforehand, but that example will absolutely translate and they get it, you know. So yeah. that was so good. I love that's a process too, right? That just doesn't happen overnight. You have well, to be Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. gonna say, like, you know, what I, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and it was like we form like the highways of our neural pathways from age zero to six. Like that's like the con concrete neural pathways that we form. And then you're still learning, you know, as you get older, but it's like those super highways are really hard to change, you know, like those thought patterns, the electricity goes through our brain so easily through these pre-mapped out highways basically. And so to change that and to start, uh, you know, evolving and getting better and going a different way takes a lot of work. It is not easy. Go ahead. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, clearly, I mean, it took you three years, essentially. Not four and a half years, almost the entire journey is four years. But it's like riding a bicycle, like you said, once you start practicing. And another thing is, like, people aren't aware of what we feel, right? Like, what do I actually feel? And you're practicing what I feel. So, like, I do exercises. Like, I take a full account of how I feel before walking into a room. 
And then once I walk into the room, I take another full account, did how I feel, my body, the sensations, did it change, right? Because I want to become in tune with my consciousness, with my body and understanding how I feel. Because a lot of people don't even, you go through life not even feeling what you're feeling, right? And you're numb to it because it's the way it's always been because of those neurological highways in your brain, right? And so to begin to actually, you know, deploy the self-awareness, like it's a, it takes time and it takes practice, but it is extremely empowering once it hits you because you suddenly realize I'm not a victim to my feelings. I'm not a victim to my thoughts. And you start to realize just because I think it doesn't make it true. Mm, that's a big one. That's huge, right? Because we think we are uh, our thoughts, right? Or we think we are our feelings, right? But just because I think it or feel it, like, I can walk into a room and, and, and there'll be an energy in the room. And suddenly, as soon as I walk into the room, because I took an account of how I felt before I walk into the room, suddenly I can feel depression or I can feel anger. I could feel something wrong, right? Before, I would take that as my own, mm. right? I would say, crap, well, why the heck am I angry now? Or, man, I'm depressed right now. Give me a drink or whatever it might be. But those aren't even mine. That's coming from the ecosystem. That's coming from the atmosphere in the room. Mm -hmm. But until you're in tune with how you feel, now you start to be a victim. You will be a victim to other feelings and to other thoughts. Right? So how, do you, how do you protect yourself from external energy? Because everybody has their own energy. You're always interacting with that in the world unless you're just completely shut off, which we're not. How do you protect your own energy and keep it positive and, and healthy? Yeah, I think uh, this is just a greater awareness of self, right? Because a lot of people, and I think boundaries are critical, right? But a lot of people will be like, get away from me. I got to protect my energy. I deal with it all the time. Sometimes I, <laughs> I, like they compromise love to protect their energy. Mm. That's a big, like, no, it's defeating the purpose. The goal is to become love. That's what the world needs, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got to become the love that I want to see in this world. So the greater awareness that I have of myself, it, it, it basically becomes the roadmap of what I can do and can't do. Situations I should put myself in and when I know not to put myself in it. Like, I, I'm very introverted. Right. That's my personality. So I know. Oh, extremely introverted. And so, you know, like I know when Christmas season and holiday season comes around, I can't do all the parties. Like I can't do all those because it just drains me. So I know not even to put myself into some of those situations. So that means I've got to communicate with other people. I've got to give them a clear understanding of what they can expect from me, so on and so forth. So I think just to protect your energy first requires you to really know your energy, right? And to, and to have a greater awareness of yourself. Because like I said, um, you can't protect your energy at the cost of love because it defeats the entire purpose. Yeah, it seems like it's a really delicate balance. It's a yeah. very delicate balance. You're not going to get it right um, from the beginning, right? But if love is the goal, love is 100% the goal, let that be the guiding forces and the guiding you know, lampposts along the roads in this journey. Yeah. And that's honestly something that I talk about a lot on this podcast is putting yourself and your relationship with yourself first and, and really like nurturing that love for yourself. And then as a result, like all of your other relationships seem to kind of 
heal in a lot of ways. Like my relationship with my father was always kind of rocky and, you know, kind of like he was this Marine Corps officer and, you know, I was one of four kids. And so it was tough. Like we lived in a very strict military style household. And so it wasn't until I really started to meditate and put more love towards myself that I was able to see him like as a six-year-old boy, like growing up in on a farm in Minnesota and what he had to deal with, which was so much worse than what I had to deal with. And then I was like, oh, get you. I'm so sorry. Like, I love you. You know, like I understand. And it was just like, from then on, it's been totally different. Yeah. It's a big question. It's like, we shouldn't be, you know, asking or demonizing, you know, what people are doing. We need to be asking why they're doing it. Right. It's like the big, it's, it's, you know, the big debate with, you know, the Colin Kaepernick and NFL kneeling protests, not to talk about that, but it's like, all we do is we demonize what he is doing. And if it doesn't look like me, talk like me or act like me, or if it's not fitting into my little box that I call life, mm-hmm. I demonize it. Right. Because I have to protect my little box that I call life. Instead, we should be saying, why, why are you actually doing this? Help me understand why you're doing it. Let me get into your shoes. Let me understand your point of view. What have you experienced? Because I'd be completely naive to think that a white middle-class American from the panhandle of Texas, the Bible Belt of Texas, had the same uh, reality or experienced the same life that an African-American from the inner city uh, or from a child from the inner city of some mega city in, uh, in, in the country had the same experience as me. That's just naive. Impossible. Impossible, right? Mm -hmm. And so in life, instead of being so offended by people, like pain begets pain. Like if we want to stop the process, you know, we're going to have to own our own pain. And like you said, when I start the meditation process, when I start to own my pain and go through this healing process in my own life, out of that place comes empathy, Right now I can start to understand why you're doing what you're doing or why you're saying what you're saying and be the bigger person that says the buck stops with me. And I'm not going to reciprocate your, your actions with more pain and with more suffering. I'm not going to pass my suffering on. And I'm going to begin to understand that you would never have said the things that you said or did the things that you did if you weren't so deeply wounded yourself. And what you need most right now is love. And until I become love, I can't actually offer that love that is going to help restore the human soul. And that's what we're in. We're in a crisis in America. The crisis that we're in is not Democrat, Republican. It's not black. It's not white. It's not gay. It's not straight. What it is, it's literally, it's pain. It's emotional trauma that has not been healed. And it's all coming to the surface right now. Wow. That's so powerful what you just said, like that alone. Um, and I love how you talk about owning your story and owning your pain. Like, what do you really mean by that? Like, how do you, how does the person own their story? Yeah, I think it's more or less, am I a victim to my circumstances? Am I a victim to my reality? It's like the famous quote, is life happening at me or is life happening for me? And so a lot of times we live as a servant, as a slave to what has happened to us in our lives. We live as a victim, right? And so now out of that place, maybe it manifests in your life. If you're maybe an underachiever with, you know, a personality that's an introvert, maybe you just shrink back and you hide 
You know, you hide in your room and you, you're afraid of going out. You're afraid of taking risks because you're afraid of being seen. You're afraid of being known. Or like me, that pain in my life meant, you know, because I'm an ambitious type A personality, like do more, try harder, accomplish more, make more money, get the better job, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and so to own our pain really is to stop and ask, like, what are the driving forces behind our lives? And are they rooted in pain or are they rooted in love? And that determines everything because at the end of the day, listen, if you want to hang out in your room because that's how you recharge, that's great, mm-hmm. right? If you want to make more money or if you want to uh, get a better job, that's great. But you have to begin to ask why, why is this so important to you? Right? Because if it's, if it's coming from a place of pain, it's never going to be enough. And you're going to continue feeling the void that you've always felt that you're trying to compensate for by either doing more, trying harder or shrinking and hiding even more. I think that's such a good point too. Like for people who want to lose weight or people who want to learn something new, it's like, it's never about the weight. You know, it's never about having this different body and like feeling really sexy or whatever. Like it's, it's always something else like wanting to be loved or wanting you know, something. So it's, it's, I see it again and again and again. And it's like, how do we not realize this by now? You know, like it's not the 20 pounds, like wake up. Yeah. And that's why you can't hate yourself. Beautiful right? You can't hate yourself skinny, right? Because what you're actually looking for, the idea is the reason why we set goals is not because of the goal itself. The reason why we set goals in life is because just like you said, we want to feel what the goal is going to provide us. We set financial goals because we want to feel the freedom, financial freedom. We set the goal of becoming an entrepreneur because we want freedom in life, right? I wanted to be in the NFL and I set a goal to being in the NFL because I wanted to feel significant in life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel like I belonged in life, right? We, We fit in, we go and drink and we party and we do all those things, which so be it, but deep down, you want to feel accepted in life, right? And until we can realize that we are not going to step into what we're actually looking for until we're able to cultivate the feelings that we really want internally first, mm-hmm. it's going to be an endless rat race in your life. And that's the process of owning your pain because what happens is that through life, you're hurt, you're wounded, you're betrayed, um, you're rejected. You're all of those things. And what happens is now your nervous system, essentially, it, it builds up the, the ego is constructed, right? The ego is constructed. And so for us to actually feel joy, to feel happiness, to feel like we belong, we have to go back and reclaim the power that we lost when we first learned that we don't belong, when we were first rejected, when we were first betrayed, when we were first cheated on, right? Until we reclaim the power from that moment, right, we're always going to be searching for it externally, but it's never going to be enough. Absolutely. And what do you think about the role of, like, forgiveness in all of this? Uh, Forgiveness is uh, essential because I believe it's essential in the work of grief, doing the grief work in life. And the grief work is necessary because letting go is necessary, Right. And so forgiveness is instrumental in the process of letting go. We are humans. We are designed to grow. We're designed to evolve. Right. We're designed to live from glory to glory, uh, Christian speaking. And the only way that actually can happen now is to forgive, forgive myself. Right. Forgive God, forgive the universe and most importantly, like, and forgive other people. 
right? Because in the forgiveness, I'm doing the inner work, the grief work that is needed for me to actually let go. And it's in the process of letting go that I create new space for the next opportunities that God or the universe is bringing into my life. Wow. So after you had kind of gone away for three to four years and you came back, you know, essentially healed or definitely on a path to healing, did you know that your purpose was going to be in working with men and dealing with these kinds of issues or did it kind of just evolve? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's my purpose. Uh, you know, we, and we can even talk about this, but I think a lot of people have a miss a misunderstanding of purpose, but I think this has certainly evolved for me because I don't even really, I don't even talk with men, but most of my audience is females, right. That are tagging their boyfriends or tagging their husband. Mm-hmm. In my posts. But I do believe that, you know, I, I'm not trying to redefine masculinity. I'm not trying to tackle um, toxic masculinity. I'm just trying to be the physical representation of what it looks like to live willing to be seen, willing to show up and to be seen because our deepest desire is to be known, but yet it's our greatest fear, right? And so I'm just trying to do that as a man who has experience playing the NFL, serving his country, being an army officer, you know, so on and so forth. Like through it all, all I wanted in life is to belong. All I wanted in life is to be known and to be comfortable in my own skin because that's where I'm the happiest. And that's where I do, um, you know, my best work, and that I can begin to offer the uniqueness that I was created in into the world around me, right? And I think that's really what purpose is. Yeah. Like, purpose isn't a job. It isn't a, um, a title, you know, that's part of it. But purpose is almost like understanding what emotion do you want to cultivate in your own internal reality? And what emotion do you want to give to the world around you? Like, that's the question I always ask, right? Like, if there's one emotion that you could give to one person and that was your life work, what is it that you would want this person to experience in life? That's your purpose. And it's your job to go back and claim that power, you know, so claim that, that, that emotion where you've lost it in your life. Because then when you cultivate it internally, you can freely give it away. Like for me, I want people to know that they have a seat at the table. I want people to know that they belong. And until I actually went and did the inner work and healed the pain that robbed me of that sense of belonging, I was not able to actually do work in this life that is actually making a difference. But now it's my desire and everything that I do to let people know that they belong. Absolutely. And I can see that like through your Instagram and through your website. I mean, it's like, it's the same message, like in different ways, you know? And I think that that's really what it takes, you know, to reach the most people. It's like, not everything you're going to say is going to resonate with one person, but you say it a different way. And it's like, I get it. You know, like, yes, like, thank you. Um, So what's, what's the biggest block do you think that men deal with? Like, what's the biggest issue and that you wish they could all just start being more aware of and working on? It's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, men, you're talking about just, or just people in general? Men or people. Yeah. I mean, I think and men makes it more interesting because again, like they're not the ones that are doing this work primarily, you know? I mean, I think that's why the girlfriends are tagging them because they see it and they want them to work on it, but it's like yeah. getting I them think, to the door. Yeah. I think it's just redefining strengths, right? Mm-hmm. We're hunters, we're gatherers. We were, we want to, provide for our family we want to make a difference we want to live strong and courageous lives 
right? But there is no strong and courageous life without vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, I think that really is a very, a very big block in today's, you know, approach to manhood is what really is strength, like, what does strength look like? And for me, for whatever reason, you know, when I first started this transformational journey, I remember when I was sitting with my father, who was very much, you know, it is very much a man that doesn't open up, right? Not allowing himself to be seen, not allowing himself to be vulnerable. Like, he is a workhorse, and he will work the rest of his life because that's where he finds value. Mm-hmm. Working, he can provide value. That's when he feels most significant in life, right? So instead of finding that internally, he has to constantly approach it from an external approach, right? And then you get tired, you get burnt out, so on and so forth. And I love my father and an incredible father. Like, I'm so thankful for his work ethic, right? On so many different uh, levels. But my father was talking to me one Christmas and he opened up as this rare moment where he opened up and he started to talk about what he felt in a particular situation and what he was experiencing emotionally. And he started talking about this fear and I was like, Whoa, wait, this is like awesome. You know, like you're opening up to me about this. And then suddenly I said, what did you just say? And he said, and he told me the fear he was dealing with. And I was like, Whoa, And I said, where did that come from? And he says, well, I know my father and I even know my grandfather had talked about this in my childhood when I was growing up. And I said, hold on, you mean to tell me the fear that you're dealing with started with my great grandfather as far as you can tell. And it passed down to your father and it's passed down to you. And I was sitting there thinking like, are you kidding me right now? Because at that time I was experiencing the exact same thing that he was experiencing in life. And I'm sitting there saying, this has been passed down from the last three generations. And I was sitting there thinking, what is it in that moment? The definition of manhood almost like became so clear to me. And it was like the buck stops with me. And while manhood is so much about leading and so much about providing and so much about being the hunters and the gatherers and being the, uh, the representation of strength, and I'm not undermining the women's role in any of that regardless, you know, in any way. But because of that, if that's the man's role, the man's role, like in my, I, in my eyes was like the buck stops with me where that pain, that fear will not pass down to the next generation. And I've got to own that pain. I've got to face the fear head on because it's just going to be passed down to the next generation. And I think it's almost like redefining what masculinity, what being a man is all about, what the success of being a man is all about. And it's this understanding that, listen, my ceiling is the next generation's floor. Right. And the more I'm willing to own my pain, the more I'm willing to say the buck stops with me when it comes to emotional trauma that has not been dealt with, mm-hmm. that's being passed down through generations, because that's proven epigenetics. Right. We can right. pass the trauma down through genes. Right. And when I understand, like for me, being a man is like I have to be vulnerable. I have to be willing to talk about how I feel. I have to get, you know, and build emotional awareness in my life and begin to understand what I'm thinking about and why I'm thinking about and actually start this process of healing. Because if I don't, it's going to be passed down to the next generation. And I have not done my job with being a man and actually being a leader while I was here on this earth. That's amazing. Like that totally gives me chills like that alone. Like that's so cool. Have you found that your father has done a lot of healing just through your open expression and and the writings that you've put out there? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it just sparks a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive and I've talked to a few other people about this, but you know, a lot of the, the trauma that you experience as a child comes from parents, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, your attachments to your parents and so on and so forth. And, and I had amazing parents and they did the best that they knew how to do. And so trying to be able to talk through my own healing, through healing the emotional trauma, excuse me, that I experienced as a child, you know, I'm trying to do it in a sensitive way so that they don't read it, you know, and think like my mom called me. She's like, people think I'm the worst mother in the world. <laughs> like, no, mom. Like, and so I'm trying to approach it and tell the story so that they can find themselves in the story without being offended that they're the subject of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's sparking a lot of questions in their own thought process. And it's, you know, up to them with what they decide to do with that. Just like it's up to anybody. Do you have siblings? I do have two brothers. What do they, how do they feel about this? Yeah, my older brother, you know, uh, I think he knows that that be there when he calls or if he needs to call. Um, But I also think there is like kind of, um, yeah, he's just living his life. My younger brother, my younger brother is very similar story to me. Phenomenal athlete, three gold medals, world records, Olympics. Um, And now he's coming to this point where, the sports isn't enough anymore and he's missing something in here. And so to being able to have kind of a resource that he can call and, you know, he called me the other day and said like, I need help with understanding like the next move in my life. Right. And so this definitely offered, um, you know, amazing opportunities to build real connection with the people that you love most because, you know, it's two people coming into a conversation that are vulnerable, that are risking, you know, being seen and talking about what they're really feeling and what they're really dealing with in life. And out of that place comes this beautiful connection because that's where we're, we're, we're connected by our imperfections. Right. And we try to hide our imperfections while we're looking to connect with people. (laughs) And it's the very thing that keeps us so disconnected from people. Um, I think the hardest part, you know, I was just talking to somebody about this today. It's like this journey, and I'm actually going to do a webinar on it pretty soon. But this journey is when you start this journey and the people that you care about the most don't have any clue what you're doing and you can't actually describe it. Mm -hmm. and explain to them what you're doing because you can't put it to words. You just know that there's more and you have to go find it. Um, I think that's the most challenging part. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I think that's the most challenging part as I'm thinking about it in this entire journey is like the people who you care about the most and the people that care about you see you going down this journey when they can't understand it. Right. And they want to make sense of it. That's the hard part because you have to stand alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to stand alone and that's just incredibly challenging. Yeah. But I don't think that that's something that'll always be the case. You know, I think the more you, the more you're out there that, you know, the greater your message becomes, the more people that you reach, like they'll get it. It's just early yet, you know, and you'll bring them along with you. I really believe that. Yeah. That's the goal. (laughs) Earl hopes. Yeah. So what is your hope for everyone listening to this? You know, what do you want them to walk away from? Yeah, I think it's just to take, you know, find the courage that your life doesn't have to be the way that it is. And the only way that your life actually changes is if you're willing to change. And the only way that you're really going to be able to change is to change the beliefs that are governing your life. And to change the beliefs that are governing your life first requires you to 
ask, how did I learn this? Where did I learn this? Why did I learn this? And is this belief rooted in pain? And if it's rooted in that pain, you're going to have to do the healing and take the time to do the inner healing of, um, uh, of that emotional trauma. Right. And then your life will begin to change. I remember when I was going through this and I was not, you know, learning the lesson that I needed to learn. I was going around the same mountain over and over again. And somebody said to me, he said, Caleb, my mentor said, Caleb, how much longer are you going to continue to create these painful experiences for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm creating this. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time I, it became so brazenly clear to me. Like, no, it's, it's because of my boss. No, it's because of my girlfriend. No, it's because of this football took this from me. The government took this from me. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm creating the reality that I'm experiencing. And so to take that courage or to, to, to find the courage to take responsibility for your life, it's daunting at first and it's scary and vulnerable and uncertain to uncertain and it requires you to be brave but it literally changes your life it changes everything it changes everything everything. because you realize that like i have such an awareness now that if i don't like parts of my life i have the power to change it and it's like i know how to do that now Mm -hmm. am i learning and constantly growing yeah but I have the power to change what I experience in everyday reality. And if I don't like it, it's on me. I love that. I yeah. love that. So, I mean, for people listening who might not even be aware that something's not right, like what's your tip for keying into yourself to think like, okay, is it just painful life experiences or is it just like a gut feeling? Like what, um, how, how do they clue in? Physiologically, science, stuff, neuroplasticity, science tells us, we are wired for love. We are not wired for depression, anxiety, fear, anger, outburst, rage, all of those things. Those are mechanisms that we have learned, right? Because, I mean, I won't talk about it here, but neuroplasticity proves what's happening when the neurons in your brain, when they experience trauma and why they can be passed down is because neurons turn off and fall over. So essentially what happens is your subconscious is trying to create a thought to go through the seven different sectors of your brain. And now, uh, you know how you have an aha moment? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you have a clear thought process. So that subconscious thought goes from your subconscious and goes through each sector of your brain the way that you were designed to create a thought through your, your own unique individuality. And then when it passes through it freely, it's a clear thought. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, like yes, I get it. However, if you have trauma that's now pushed a neuron down, think of it as if your thought is a vehicle in your road, right? And you're driving down the road. Think of your neuron that's got like a down tree, a tree that's been struck by lightning and is falling over and you can't get past. That thought is trying to hit up against this down neuron and it secretes more chemicals and more chemicals and more chemicals. And then that's when we get chemical chaos, and out of that place comes depression, comes anger, mm-hmm. comes rage, right? So we weren't actually designed to think like that. We weren't actually designed to experience those feelings. Um, neuroplasticity and scientists will do a much better job at explaining that process, but you kind of get the gist of it. So the, the signals are the negative emotions. 
right? The negative emotions that you're feeling are like these little blinking neon messenger signs saying, hey, look here, because I'm going to show you the doorway that you need to take to change your life if you actually want to change your life. And so just understanding that when I feel these negative emotions, not to react to them, but to get, to get curious about them, really begin to get curious. Why did I think that? Why did, was that my reaction? Where did I learn to think that thought? What belief system is the driving force behind that thought process? And now can I change that, right? Because inner healing, it comes from those moments because we are, we're storytelling beings, Right? We want to make sense of things. We want to find meaning. We want to have a deeper understanding of why things happen the way that they happened. So what happens when we experience trauma, we immediately tell our story around that trauma. We build a narrative around that trauma. And that narrative is our nervous system that's aimed to protect us. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when we, out of that belief, out of that narrative, comes our thoughts, out of, or comes yeah, our thought process, which drives our emotions, which drives our responses in life. So now it's just a reverse engineering cycle, right? Now I just got to go back to those moments to the best of my ability, like, and change the narrative. Hurt people hurt people. What did I learn? What is life trying to teach me? How can I forgive? Do I need to let go? How do I let go? And now that's the process. That's where coaching comes in of helping you to let go of the trauma so you can change the narrative, which is going to change your thought process, change your emotional response, change your life. Man, so how do you like keep people motivated? Because it's not a comfortable process. Like it's actually, it's kind of like peeling your skin off, you know, like it's brutal. So how do you keep your clients motivated? Well, I don't have any clients. I don't do coaching. Well, you're following. <laughs> I feel like you're my coach right now. <laughs> um, I'm actually building out all my coaching right now. So it is to come, but it's coming. I'm uh, a little bit psychic. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'll take that. And I think it's really just, um, I think you have to be in a specific season of life. You know, that season of life that you've tried everything in the books. And you know that no matter what you do, how much you accomplish, blah, 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 so on and so forth that nothing's going to change until I change, you know, and I think you have to be in a particular season of life. And then when you're willing to embrace that process, because when you go through the journey, you can now not easily, but you can now help locate where each individual is along in the journey. And when you locate where they are along in the journey, you're able to speak to them in ways that help them see what they need to see in that moment to get to the next part of the journey. And so it's just really knowing because you've you've gone through your own journey, being able to locate where they're at and identifying with what they need to hear or see in this moment to take the next step. And that's why, you know, mentorship is such a big word right now. Everybody is looking to be a mentor. Everybody's looking to be a teacher or a coach, so on and so forth, which is great. But the only thing that I caution people with is when you're looking at a coach or when you're looking for a mentor, if these people have not lived their solution they have not any business speaking into your life and just be so aware that if what they're teaching have they actually lived it have they done the the emotional trauma work that needs to be done because otherwise they're only going to be able to deliver you the energy that is equivalent to cliches and platitudes and feel good but not the energy that can actually spark the transformation of the human soul that we're looking for Absolutely. I think that's great. So what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? This is a question I ask all the guests on the show. 
Um, and I love all the different answers I get. It really gives me insight into the person. What is something I learned in life? Uh, that you wish someone would have told you earlier on. And if they told me that, would it automatically click? I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> not even somebody told me like, but they did tell me, right? Like they did tell me you belong, you know, mm. but it just never clicked with me mm. through this journey. Um, that's such a good question. Truthfully, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, have more fun. Mm. I know it's so simple, but for me and somebody that's been like hard nose, like straightforward, uh, uh, you know, a train at full blast, blasting through life at the expense of relationships, at the expense of other people, at the expense of love, so that I could get to the top, so that I could be somebody and prove my worth to the world. Like, I had no fun. I was miserable. Like, you know, I've accomplished a childhood dream and I was never more miserable in my life. And so learning just to have fun and understanding that the universe or God is going to meet you where you're at and give you exactly what you need in that season. Here you go. That's what I would say. I love, that's like one of the best answers I've gotten. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would probably say is that you really can't skip the process. The process is the reward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times like, you know, easy example, I'm believing for $10,000 for a down payment on my house. And I'm really just believing it's going to show up tomorrow. Right. But in the process of actually somebody dropping $10,000, not that it doesn't happen, but understand this, what I'm trying to communicate, like in the process of learning what it looks like to believe for $10,000 is the process that I equip myself for the tools and the resources to now give away what I have lived through and what I have experienced to help empower other people and raise the standard of excellence in other people's lives, right? Because that's how the world begins to change. So somebody coming along and just giving you $10,000 sometimes is a disservice to you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of understanding that right where I'm at is exactly right where I need to be. I didn't waste time. I'm not too far behind. I'm not too far ahead. I'm right where I need to be. And the universe or God is going to give me exactly what I need in this moment to take one step out. And it's in my ability to receive that and to apply that and to live that. Well, then only then will I find the next step or the next tool or the next resource or the next wisdom that I need to continue on in this journey. So, yeah, I would think the process is the reward. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah, and I know that's kind of cliche right now, but. No, it's really not. I mean, and I think that that could translate to, you know, the entrepreneurs listening, the moms listening, you know, people, stay-at-home moms, moms that are working, like anyone listening can can yeah. gain value from that statement. You know, yeah. absolutely. I think, you know, and I know you got to go, but um, I'm a Christian, so I'm I'm constantly asking God, God, who are you trying to be for me today that you've never been able to be for me yet? Hmm. So when things are happening in my life, it's not so much why is this happening to me? God, what are you trying to show me that you have not been able to show me yet? Because I've been too stubborn to allow you to show me or I'm just not waking up to this. So it's, who are you trying to be for me now? Life, who are you trying to be for me now? What are you trying to show me now that you've never been able to show me yet? And then I, it's like life is almost this game. It's serious, but it's this game. Yeah. It's like a treasure hunt. That's really what it is. It's this treasure hunt, right? Where life is throwing you. God is trying to show you something. 
whatever it is, and you go through this journey of saying, okay, well, if I have to find this, that means I lost it somewhere. So to find this, I have to go reclaim it. So that's why, like, a lot of the, like, what I preach is the answer that you're looking for is found in the pain that you're running from. Wow. That's powerful. That's it. And that, and you can understand that that's how life works. You can begin to understand the variables that, you know, basically dictate and control and move your life forward. You know how to, you know, the secret sauce. Now I know, and I feel like that's so true. Like it is, once you start thinking that way, like yeah. you start to make more and more connections. Like you yeah. start to see more, you start to have more epiphanies. You start to see more, like, I wouldn't even call it synchronicity, but kind of, I mean, yeah. things start to happen for you. And like, you start to meet certain people and like mentors come and go. And it's like, or like a book shows up that you really needed to read right at that moment. Like, it's amazing. And I feel that way too. And like, I, I wake up every morning and do my meditation, you know, talk to God, talk to spirit, you know, whatever. And and I find that when I do that, like the day is different, you know, things happen yeah, that, that normally would right. never happen. It's trippy. Yeah. It's really, it's uh, but it's not coincidence, right? Like you created that you have the power to decide how you're going to respond. You have the power to decide how you're going to decide, right? The decisions that you're going to make, you have that power and you can actually change it if you don't like it. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Social media? Yeah, uh, by social media. Uh, Instagram is just Caleb underscore Campbell. And then I'm about to start completely redesigning my website, but it is I am Caleb Campbell.com. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing and so empowering and just, I didn't know that we were going to talk about brain science, but I'm glad that we did. <laughs> That was awesome. I learned a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Your support means the world to me. I truly mean that. And it's my purpose and passion as I've discovered to help others. So I feel like through these episodes, that's what I'm doing. Um, but I really rely on your feedback. So, you know, please leave me a five-star review, um, or please share it with a friend and, and tag me at motherhood unstressed on Instagram, um, when you share it so that I know what spoke to you and what really resonated so I can create more content around that and produce even more value to more people um, because that's what this is all about. You know, that's why I'm doing this, why I'm spending the time to do it because it matters and it's helping and healing. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code UNSTRESSED, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well... Then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, they also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code UNSTRESSED to save 15% off.